On September 1st, President Biden delivered a controversial speech in which he referenced the threat of insurrection. Today, we sit at the feet of Martin Luther, who teaches us that armed insurrection is not the answer. <laughs> not when Christ has already begun a far greater insurrection. Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. Here we go. This is Cross Defense, and I'm your host, the Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, pastor of the outpost of orthodoxy in this occupied territory, or as you might be more inclined for me to say, the assembly of saints known as St. Mark Lutheran Church out here in Ferndale, California. But hey, California occupied territory, what's the difference? <laughs> in recent episodes of this show, we have talked about the Antichrist, July 23rd, definitely recommend checking out that show, and wokeness as the antithesis to Christianity, August 27th, also a good show. Take a listen. And today we're going to tie those two topics together as we look at the Christian response to today's evils, as highlighted by President Biden's recent controversial speech delivered in Philadelphia in front of that blood-red, eerie, hellish backdrop that has been sweeping the internet. And our clear emphasis today is on our Christian response to evil and that it is not, not, I repeat, not one of violent insurrection. So if that grabs your attention, if you're curious about the topic of rebellion and insurrection, if you're frustrated with what's going on in the world today and feel like, oh, I just would like to grab a pitchfork and storm the Capitol, I'd like to put on my horned hat and go, I don't know what that was about. Listen to this show. I'm glad you're here. We have a great teacher at our disposal, the wise Reverend Dr. Martin Luther. And if we listen to what he has to say on matters of insurrection, yes, he wrote about insurrection and how Christians are not to engage in it, then we will be able to navigate our turbulent times because Luther lived through his very own turbulent times under the Antichrist, and he was not only a thought leader during his day, he was the prevailing thought leader in his day, the go-to guy. And this is what he had to say about insurrection in the face of evil. So stay tuned. We're going to get to that probably come by the second and third segment of the show. Don't, uh, don't click away before we get to it. Good stuff. Especially want to hear the end as we look at the greater insurrection that is already underway, my friends. And so, yeah, you're going to want to hang on for that. In 1522, the cultural climate looked very much something like what we Americans see on our news every day. Every time you, you turn on the news, you hear news, we are dealing with something that was very similar to what Luther was going through. Civil unrest was heating up. Luther had been excommunicated by the Pope, and he was hidden away by friendly civil authorities who wanted to prevent him from being murdered by the papists. He literally had a mark out for his head. Flashes of violence were flaring up here and there, everywhere, some in the name of the Lutheran party and some in the name of the Pope's party, which... I should say the Pope's party was the state's party, the Holy Roman Empire, 
and the papacy were like this. I'm putting my fingers together, you know, crossing them, if you can't tell. Okay, so that, <laughs> that's what was going on. And there was talk of violent insurrection, and even some Christian leaders were encouraging the overthrow, violently armed overthrow of the authorities, which, as I said, were the papists and the Holy Roman Empire in bed together. So the good Reverend Luther wrote a letter that we call a sincere admonition by Martin Luther to all Christians to guard against insurrection and rebellion. Yes, that's quite a mouthful, quite a name, right? But that is what it's called, and there you know, there you have it right there in the title, how Christians are to guard against insurrection and rebellion. This document, if you're looking for it, is, is found in Luther's Works, Volume 45, The Christian in Society, Number 2. Take a look at that if you're interested. It's a great uh, piece of writing. I highly recommend you take a look at it and other works by Luther as well. It has much to teach us today as there has been, obviously, an uptick in violence in our day. We're hearing more regularly about threats of insurrection, rebellion, civil war. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but these, these words are being dropped on a regular basis. There seems to be a push for it to happen, maybe even a, a uh, self-fulfilled prophetical sort of uh, inclination toward it. Very troubling for many people. One such thing Luther teaches us is simply how we should view ourselves as Christians. In 1522, the division was ecclesial as well as civil because both kingdoms were intertwined together. The doctrines of the church were at the heart, the center of the civil unrest. Is that the case today? That's the question that we got to start with. Is that the case today? Now, many Christians are tempted to say right away, well, no, no, of course not. Today, today we're dealing with political unrest, political division. And honestly, I can understand the confusion in that reply. I have sympathy toward that reply because the division is definitely flowing through political thought leaders, political corridors today. We see it as a political issue. But as we discussed in the August 27th show about wokeness and Christianity, wokeness is now what undergirds the Democrat Party's platform, whether you like it or not. And I don't mean to alienate our Democratic Christian listeners. If, you're, if you belong to the Democrat Party, I'm not meaning to alienate you, but it is just known, it's out there, it's obvious, that the platform of the Democrat Party is now undergirded by a lot of these leftist, wokest, anti-biblical precepts and policies and pushes, this agenda, which is antithetical to Christianity. President Biden said so. If you were wondering about this, if you're, if you're doubting what I'm saying right now, President Biden himself said so in his September 1st speech. So here, have a listen. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America 
where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. I believe America is at an inflection point. One of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. And now America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past, to be a nation of hope and unity and optimism, or a nation of fear, division, and of darkness. The soul of America is defined by the sacred proposition that all are created equal in the image of God. My fellow Americans, America is an idea the most powerful idea in the history of the world, and it beats in the hearts of the people of this country. It beats in all our hearts. It unites America. It is the American creed, the idea that America guarantees that everyone be treated with dignity. It gives hate no safe harbor. It installs in everyone the belief that no matter where you start in life, there's nothing you can't achieve. That's who we are. That's what we stand for. That's what we believe. And that's precisely what we're doing. Opening doors, creating possibilities, focusing on the future. And we're only just beginning. If we do our duty in 2022 and beyond, then ages still to come will say, we, all of us here, we kept the faith. We preserved democracy. We heeded our worst, we, we heeded not our worst instincts, but our better angels. We, we proved that for all its imperfections, America is still the beacon to the world, an ideal to be realized, a promise to be kept. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred, nothing more American. That's our soul. That's who we truly are. And that's who must, we must always be. And may God protect our nation, and may God protect all those who stand watch over our democracy. God bless you all. So it appears that the division is between Democrats and Republicans, a political division in this country, but, but not when you look at the content of that division. What does President Biden say is the content of the division? He describes it. He says, in America, we must choose to move forward or backward toward the future or obsess about the past. These are his words. And so I quote, he says right here, he describes backward, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. Right to choose. What is that? That's abortion. That's the right for a mother to choose to murder her child in the womb. And out here in California, the push is to be able to murder your child even after birth within a certain window if that's what you'd like to do. So very literal infanticide in the traditional sense. This is sick stuff. And California is a sanctuary state. They're, they're pushing to bring people in to be able to have abortions here if you want to, that this will be a place where that can happen. Okay. All right. So right to choose, pro-choice. That's what Biden is, is referencing here as a political division. Is that political? Well, no. That is a moral issue. That is a biblical issue, isn't it? Yes, it is. What else did he say? Right to privacy. Now, this phrase is used all the time across many, many 
parts of the political spectrum as we talk about rights and and really you know biden's using these this term right very loosely so just kind of never mind about that but this right to privacy came up in our popular usage during the civil rights movement on the matter of birth control birth control and then he mentions contraception so we're, we're in this grain of sexual liberation right the 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 feminist movement stuff going on here and then he's going to attach onto that the right to marry who you love. What's that? that? That's homosexuality, right? And, and, and you can't marry. He's using that word loosely too. But he's talking about same-sex unions, homosexuality. So the point here is what are all these issues that he describes as backwards? They're being dealt with by politicians in the civil realm, sure, but they are not... They are not strictly political civil realm issues. God has spoken to these issues, all of them. Doesn't the Bible guide our consciences on the issues of murder, sex, and marriage? Absolutely he does. These are very much church issues. Now, dear listener, President Biden said that he believes we're at an inflection point that will determine everything that will come after. We need to make sure that we're seeing this for what it is. President Biden couched the inflection point in terms of forward or backward, future or past, hope, unity, and optimism, he said, or fear, division, and darkness. Now, you and I know that it's better described as Christian or anti-Christian. Wait, Pastor Bramwell, are you saying MAGA Republicans are Christian and the Democrats are anti-Christian? Now, I'm saying... If MAGA Republicans are, as he says, and look to the past to see where our values come from and, and, and want to uphold the sanctity of marriage as the God-ordained union of a man and a woman protect the unborn from being murdered and support a proper sexual culture void of vocation-defying drugs designed to separate sex from marriage for the sake of a false sense of liberation, while the Democrats continue to advocate for policies that fly in the face of biblical teaching, then what we're talking about, no matter how the world wants to label it, you and I know it is Christian versus anti-Christian. I know, controversial stuff here, but we have the truth. We need not shy away from the controversies. We can address them. We can address them directly, not politically, not hemming and hawing and justifying our inactions and trying not to offend people and this and that. Yes, we, we, we strive to live peaceably with all as much as it depends on us. But that doesn't mean we hold our tongue and don't speak the truth. We are to be lights in this world, to guide by the gospel, by the word of God. And so Luther's words begin to help us through these troubled waters. In his day, just like in ours, there were two parties at play. They weren't Republican and Democrat. They were Lutheran and Papist. This is how they described them, themselves. And to this, Luther writes the following. I ask that men make no reference to my name. Let them call themselves Christians, not Lutherans. What is Luther? And after all, the teaching is not mine, neither was I crucified for anyone, 1 Corinthians 
St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 would not allow the Christians to call themselves Pauline or Petrine, but Christian. You don't follow Paul or Peter. How then should I, Luther says, poor stinking maggot fodder that I am, poor stinking maggot fodder that I am. That's amazing. This is what Luther says of himself. How then should I come to have men call the children of Christ by my wretched name? Not so, my dear friends. Let us abolish all party names and call ourselves Christians after him whose teaching we hold. The papists deservedly have a party name because they are not content with the teaching and name of Christ, but want to be papist as well. Let them be papist then, since the Pope is their master. (laughs) Let the world... Dear cross-defense listener, dear Christian out there, let the world use their party names. You are a Christian. That's what defines you. In the ecclesial realm, the churchly realm, and in the civil state realm, you never stop being a Christian. And it is how you think about everything especially those things that are at this very moment in our country tearing our society apart as the whole humanist movement, the the wokest Marxist movement, the ungodly have made anti-biblical tenets the very platform of one of our political parties. Okay, let's leave it right there. We'll pick this up right after the break. Don't go away. You're listening to Cross Defense. Each weekday on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of Living Boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. See, the world wants to pigeonhole us with this label or that label. They want to put us into a group. But you and I know Christian is our proper identity. The only group we belong to is the body of Christ. Christ is our group. (laughs) The man, Jesus. That is our only label. As Frankie Schaefer V said it very well, Either God is the creator of the whole man, the whole universe, and all of reality and existence, or he is the creator of none of it. I belong to no other group but the Christian church. It sure seems like we're not the only ones who recognize this. Did you notice the vocabulary President Biden used in his speech? The speechwriter or him, somebody recognizes the ecclesial connection to what this division is all about in our country. Using language like the soul of America invokes churchly thoughts, religious thoughts. He says it's defined by the sacred proposition that all are created equal in the image of God. He goes on to say that's what we believe. And ages still to come will say we kept the faith. There is nothing more important, he says, nothing more sacred. This is church language. 
And finally, if you're not convinced, he, he concludes his speech with, may God protect our nation, and may God protect all those who stand watch over our democracy. God bless you all. Now, this may be just used for a rhetorical device, invoking the name of the Lord in vain, breaking the second commandment, but, but God is mentioned here. And we have a, a hat trick of it. We have a three-peat here. Trinitarian is the way I read this. We are in a spiritual conflict, my friends. Make no doubt about it. Christian or anti-Christian. That is what's going on. The two kingdoms, church and state, are intertwined in our day just as they were for Luther and his, whether we like it or not. It's not Democrat or Republican. What we're dealing with across the spectrum, throughout our entire land, it is a soul issue. We are dealing with Christian or not Christian. Okay, so... President Biden mentioned insurrection several times, and he spoke of political violence not being our way. Yes, 100% agree. Thank you for that. Commentators and news pundits are talking about the same thing. Let's jump into the headlines for a second. This article comes from Newsweek. It's titled, Civil War May Have Already Begun, MSNBC host says, citing MAGA violence. And it's by Thomas Kika. Kika, don't know how to say it. Uh, and it was published on 9 3 The prospect, it says, of a second American civil war has loomed over the political landscape in the last several years, with one news host now suggesting that it might already be underway. MSNBC's Tiffany Cross on Saturday hosted writers Jelani Cobb and Barbara F. Walter on her show, The Cross Connection. That's the name of her show, which is not to be confused with Cross Defense, which also was on Saturday. Uh, KFUO's is much better than MSNBC's. Shameless plug. To discuss the possibility of a civil war instigated by former President Donald Trump and his MAGA supporters. During the conversation, Cross suggested that such a conflict has already begun. These days, quoting, these days it feels like we are not just at the brink of a civil war, but that one has already begun, Cross said near the beginning of the conversation. To back up her supposition, She shared two clips, one of Republican Senator Lindsey Graham saying that violence would erupt if Trump were arrested, and another of former Trump advisor Steve Bannon agreeing with a Vox article that accused the MAGA movement of being a threat to the American state. Okay, now the article goes on. That's enough for our purposes, given our time restraints today. Instead of continuing the article, we're going to read something a lot more useful. Luther's letter to all Christians to guard against insurrection and rebellion. Luther starts saying the papists manifold harmful and scandalous deceits and all manner of misdeeds and tyranny have thereby been publicly exposed and brought to shame. Okay, that's an interesting way to get us going here, right? Harmful and scandalous deceits, all manner of misdeeds and tyranny publicly exposed. Those are the things we want to focus in on here. And he goes on to say, it seems likely that this may result in an insurrection. Hmm. So now here's this pastor trying to teach about what is good and proper in a climate that seems likely to devolve into an insurrection. Luther continues, For the common man seems to be discontented and brooding over the damage he has suffered in property, body, and soul. Apparently they have tried him too far with utter lack of scruple, burdening him beyond all measure. 
He seems to be neither able nor willing to endure it any longer and to have good reason to lay about him with flail and cudgel. See, our time isn't that different from Luther's, is it? How many people today across the globe, not just in America, but across the globe are suffering damage to property, body, and soul? We're seeing protests all over the place. Count the ways that this is happening globally. Frustrations are mounting under government policies that are affecting people in very real ways. Who knows how the unbelievers are going to respond? We don't that's not the, the issue. That's not the concern for the church. Whatever label they want to wear. But we, Christians, we have guidance. And then we can be a light to them to shine forward a proper and better way of reacting. By now, you've got to be chomping at the bit to get into your Bibles. We haven't even opened them yet. So turn to 1 Peter 3.8, where we read, Finally, 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you? if you are zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. To the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Who is subjected to Christ? Powers, authorities, angels, which would include demons. This, my friends, this is why in the face of manifold, harmful, and scandalous deceits and all manner of misdeeds and tyranny, as Luther said, we must, Luther continues, Calm the mind of the common man and tell him to abstain from the words and even the passions which lead to insurrection. 
the threats of violence will not be implemented. All that men are saying and thinking on the subject is nothing but idle chatter and vain imagining. God has reserved the punishment of the evil to himself, and they certainly do not deserve so light a punishment as a human insurrection. (laughs) What a great point. I love this. Luther doesn't dismiss the cause for a desire for insurrection. He doesn't doesn't say, ah, you're wrong for even thinking it. Now, he says, don't be going down that road. But he fully acknowledges the evils of those who he himself opposes. You and I are to stand in full opposition to all who call for the right to choose the murder of children, abortion. We are servants of Christ and are beyond frustrated at the LGBTQ agenda that has taken captive so many of our family members and friends through their propaganda techniques and social contagion strategies. We feel powerless and unable to escape the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah that has taken over every corner of our country. Luther recognizes the evil and the righteous hatred and and those who want to root it out of our land. He recognizes that. But he says, our dealing with the evil that is in front of us wouldn't go far enough. Your efforts in an insurrection wouldn't be severe enough. (laughs) God has reserved their punishment to himself, he says, and they certainly do not deserve so light a punishment as an insurrection. He's saying, don't don't give them the lighter punishment. Let God deal with them. It's going to be more severe. Luther continues. I love Luther. Even if insurrection were a practical possibility and God were willing to impose so merciful a punishment upon them as our human insurrection, it is still an unprofitable method of procedure. It never brings about the desired improvement. For insurrection lacks discernment. It generally harms the innocent more than the guilty. Hence, no insurrection is ever right, no matter how right the cause it seeks to promote. It always results in more damage than improvement and verifies the saying, things go from bad to worse. For this reason, governing authority and the sword have been established to punish the wicked and protect the upright. That insurrection may be prevented, as St. Paul says in Romans 13, 1-4, and as we read in 1 Peter 2, 13-14. I'm going to leave those passages. Normally we'd go look at those passages. I'm going to leave that to you for now, for the sake of time on today's show. That was Romans 13, 1-4, and 1 Peter 2, 13-14. Those two areas give us our, our obedience to civil authority passages that we read. But, Luther continues, when Sir Mob, <laughs> Sir Mob, uh, the footnote gives uh, of this text, the footnote gives the literal translation, Mr. Everybody. <laughs> but when Sir Mob breaks loose, he cannot tell the wicked from the upright or keep them apart. He lays about him at random, and great and horrible injustice is inevitable. This is the cancel culture, isn't it? that we deal with all the time in our world. It's easy to observe that the cancel culture mob, sir mob, eats its own. One minute you're a part of the mob, and the next minute the mob's after you. 
shutting you down for something you said, did, didn't say, or, or did, or wouldn't do. And you're like, but, but, but wait, I'm with you guys. <laughs> I was right there with you when we doxed that guy. Remember when we picketed, what's her name? Remember I was there. I, I helped with that last deplatform campaign. We ruined that guy's life. I was with you guys. I had my, my social media pitchfork right there with you. I had the torch in the other hand. We were, well, I was storming it with you, man. It doesn't matter because Sir Mob can't tell the difference between wicked and upright. It just lays about at random, as Luther says. Because of the inevitable injustice of mob mentality, Luther's guidance is to keep your eye on the authorities. So long as they make no move and issue no instructions, you just keep hand, mouth, and heart quiet and assume no responsibility. That's key there. Now, I know that stings against the American sensibility. There are people recoiling at that thought. I feel that same sting in my heart as well. The American sensibility is to rebel against tyranny. That's part of our history. That's our legacy. I get it. But what what is Luther pointing us to? He's pointing us to vocation. Whose vocation is it to deal with these issues? It's the authorities. And so we do wait on the authority to fix it. Now, we the people of the United States of America, the our authority is the Constitution of the United States. We are the authority. So there's that to mix into this. But just on this very simple level, what Luther's saying is right. We can debate whether the Revolutionary War was just or not and all that kind of stuff later. Maybe that's a whole other show. But what we're talking about here, in the face of insurrection, armed insurrection, violent bloodshed to exercise our authority on the authorities that God has put in place, whether they're operating as God's agents or not is a whole other subject. I know it's related, but that's not what we're looking at right now. We're looking at us as the, the people who are not those elected officials, not in those positions. Are we to operate as if we have been given that authority? No, we are not. Vocationally, we are not. We're not in the position to bear the governmental sword. We have elected people to do that for us. We are to not have to bear that responsibility. So I get it. It feels very uncomfortable, especially, I would say, for Americans to sit and do nothing. Well, we're not advocating doing nothing, but we are advocating doing what is right according to God's word. We're going to get to what we do at the end of the show. Hold on for that. Wait for it. It's coming. Christ is the great insurrectionist. It's coming, I promise, but not an armed insurrectionist. Look to the cross. How did, how did the Lord undo the power of the devil over this world? By submitting to his authority, by submitting to tyranny, by submitting to a kangaroo court, letting people have their way with him. That's a crazy example, I know, but we see it with the martyrs too. The early Christian martyrs suffered the hardship, suffered under godless authorities. The Roman government was not friendly to the Christian church when the Christian church arrived on the scene. The Jewish authorities weren't friendly to the Christian church when the Christian church arrived on the scene. 
What does Stephen do? He, he's stoned to death. Paul is holding the coats of those who are stoning him. And what is he saying? He's not saying, hey, avenge me. This isn't a Red Dawn moment. He's not looking for the Wolverines to fight back. No, he's praying. He's asking the Lord to forgive them for they know not what they do, echoing the words of our Lord from the cross. This is what we do as Christians. I know it's hard to understand that. The old Adam within us wants to rise up, fight back. Our American history romanticizes that, compels us to want to live that out. But our Christian history is more powerful than that supersedes that, is more meaningful and eternal than that. And so we can simply ask ourselves this profound question. Are we ready for the responsibility that comes with an interaction? Are you ready to assume that responsibility, the responsibility of other people's souls, other people's lives? Or are you just going to cause chaos and wreak havoc? But if you can stir up the authorities to do something and to give commands, Luther says, that you may do. This is the blessing of our Republican form of governance. We have many ways to stir up the authorities to do something to officially contend with the evils in our country. First of all, you, you can vote, right? I mean, I know you're tired of hearing that, and that comes with some of the frustration we don't feel like it never does enough, but that is something we can do. And, and how about calling or emailing your elected officials? How about doing that daily? <laughs> Annoy them, call them, tell them exactly how you want them to vote in the assembly or in the Senate. Do these things repeatedly. We also have the ability to remain in America, in our country, and yet relocate to another city, county, or state where the evils we're suffering don't exist or are at least less prevalent or easier to counter peacefully, appropriately. This is why so many people are exiting California. There's a mass exodus happening. As authoritarianism increases, the population decreases because we have the freedom to move. Luther says, if you start anything on your own hook, you are, you are already in the wrong and are much worse than your opponents. I am opposed, he says, to those who rise in insurrection, no matter how just their cause, because there can be no insurrection without hurting the innocent and shedding their blood. Next, he says, God has forbidden insurrection, where he speaks through Moses, Deuteronomy 16.20, which in the English Standard Version is justice and only justice you shall follow. And again, in Deuteronomy 32.35, vengeance is mine which Romans 12, 19 to 21 gets to, right? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. No one can be his own judge, Luther says. Now, insurrection is nothing else than being one's own judge and avenger, and that is something God cannot tolerate. Haven't we talked about this recently, my friends? Haven't we talked about this on this show? What refrain do we hear about 
regarding the wayward Israelites. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. This is postmodernism in the Old Testament. The mob isn't the way. No matter if it's in the form of a Black Lives Matter riot burning down a Midwest Main Street, Antifa's autonomous zone in Seattle, or a guy wearing a horned helmet storming the Capitol, no matter its form, insurrection is not an option for the Christian. And we're going to take another break. <laughs> we'll be right back for our last segment of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Cross the Fence. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. All right, Cross Defense class, recess is over. We're back in session. What else does the professor have to say? Good professor, Martin Luther. He says, insurrection cannot help but make matters much worse because it is contrary to God. God is not on the side of insurrection. Now, Luther continues to say that his particular situation, which I think, and I think many others would see our situation similarly, he says in his situation, insurrection is most certainly a suggestion of the devil. Now, I know you're thinking already about Biden's blood red backdrop at Independence Hall. Go ahead, insert the satanic hellish meme. Go for it. All right, I'll wait for you. <laughs> but seriously, many people in the political sphere are openly expressing the opinion that powers that be are trying to prompt an insurrection. That they're pushing for a civil war. They want an event, something that will spark this this violence. And I, I don't know about that. I'm not qualified to speak about that. I have an opinion. You have an opinion. They're probably both wrong. But what I can say with certainty is that Satan is always trying to goad Christians into such sins. He'd like nothing more than for Christians to get sucked into a mob, into an insurrection mob, and go against God, hoping thereby, Luther says, to revile our teaching as if it came from the devil and not from God. The devil tries in every way to find an occasion for slandering our teaching, Luther says. That is the truth. That is exactly what happens. The devil likes it, loves it, when he can smear the Christian name and say, oh, that's the Jesus you follow? That's, that's the teachings that you, you hold to? Oh. Therefore, Luther says, I beseech all who would glory in the name Christian, as opposed to Lutheran, Papist, Republican, Democrat, Christian, to be guided by what St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.3, that we give our opponents no occasion to find fault with our teaching. Now, if you've already flipped your Bible to 2 Corinthians 6.3, you see it says that very thing. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Now, back to Luther Therefore, we must guard against giving them any occasion for slander, of which they are full of overflowing. This we must do not for their sake, but for the sake of the Holy Gospel, 
We must protect it from reproach and put them to silence. That so far as it is within our power, they may not be able to speak evil of us truthfully. Now, they're going to speak evil of us, no, no, no doubt, no matter what. The world hates Jesus. They're going to hate us. They're going to lie and deceive because their master is the devil and he is the father of lies. But truthfully, no, they can't speak evil about us truthfully. And if you're like me, you're starting to ask the same question that Reverend Luther, the good Professor Luther, anticipated we would ask. He says, suppose you ask, (laughs) what are we to do if the authorities are unwilling to act? Now, it's certainly the case out here where I'm at in California. Are we to continue to, to put up with this evil that's all around us and, and that encourages wantonness, immorality, the, the decay of society? Are we supposed to just sit by and do nothing? We're not supposed to rebel, okay? What are we supposed to do? We can't mount up an insurrection. We just sit here. We literally just sit here and not resist the ongoing spread of sin and and every form of tyranny and evil that's taking hearts captive? Luther's answer is exactly what you would expect from a faithful Christian pastor. You are to do nothing of that kind. Oh, there's plenty to do. And he says there are three things that you should do. So get out your pencil and paper and take note. First, you are to acknowledge your own sins. Oh, yeah, good job, Luther. Because of which... The strict justice of God has plagued you with this anti-Christian regime. Okay, so the evil in our land, we've had a part in it. We're not guiltless in this. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. Get it? Luther takes us to the Second Thessalonians pericope on the Antichrist. It applies to all antichrists, anyone who comes in the name of Jesus and then leads people astray. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 and 11. Luther renders it this way. God sends upon them false teaching and government because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. We alone are to blame for all the injury to property, body, and soul our government afflicts against us. Therefore, You must first acknowledge your sins and put them from you. Repent of them before you try to escape the plague and the punishment of them. Otherwise, you will only bring down judgment upon yourself. And I love this image he gives us. The stone you throw upward toward heaven will fall on your own head. What goes up must come down, right? So don't be trying to throw stones at God. Don't be, don't be rejecting God with an insurrection because it's going to fall on you. You're going to get hurt. No, start by repenting of your sin, recognizing you're a part of the problem because you're a sinner. All right, first, we repent of our sin. Awesome. Thank you, Reverend Luther. If you recognize the evil spreading across our land and you want to do more than just whine about these evils, I would suggest go to church. Repent and live as the Christian you are. This is the greatest resistance. Just like I talked about in the Wokeness and Christianity show. If you want to resist all this unbiblical stuff going on in the world, come to church regularly. Be a part 
of what's happening at church. Receive the word. Learn to forgive. Learn what truth is. Get wisdom and understanding, the fear of the Lord. Be in Bible study. Encourage other people. Other people come to church. They see a bunch of empty pews. What do they do the next week? They leave. They're new at this. They, they want to go somewhere where there's a band of brothers. So come. If you're, if you're listening to this, if you're a Christian and you're not regular in your church attendance, start there. Repent of your sin against the first, second, and third commandment. Repent of that. Get back into church and be support for all those who are going to follow after you. And let's turn this thing around by being who we say we are, Christian. Okay, second, Luther says, you should in all humility pray against the evil regime. Individually for you, I say, and also corporately. Luther's talking about the papacy in his case. We're talking about wokeism. And Luther points us to Psalm 10, 12 to 15. Psalm 10, 12 to 15 says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. Psalm 10, 12 to 15, as an example of the prayer against evil. The third thing we are to do to fight against the evil in our midst, rather than becoming insurrectionists, is to speak. Quoting Luther again, you are to let your mouth become such a mouth of the Spirit of Christ, as St. Paul speaks of in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8. Our Lord Jesus will slay him with the mouth of his spirit. This we do when we boldly continue the work that has been begun, and by speaking and writing, spread among the people a knowledge of the rascality. I love that word. Let's use that word more often, can we? Rascality and deceit of the anti Christian party until they are exposed recognized and brought into disrepute throughout the world. For they must first be slain with words. The mouth of Christ must do it. In that way, they will be torn from the hearts of men and their lies recognized and despised. When they are gone from men's hearts and so have lost their confidence, they are already destroyed. They can be handled better this way than with a hundred insurrections, Luther says. By resorting to violence, we will do them no harm at all, but rather strengthen them as many have experienced before. But the light of truth hurts them. When we contrast them with Christ and their teaching with the gospel, that brings them down and utterly destroys them without any effort and exertion on our part. Dear Cross Defense listener, this is the way. Luther cites himself as an example, pointing out how much farther he 
he got in the Reformation than any others who were using violence to bring about their desired end. And we know this to be true. His words did far more to dethrone evil than all the armies of men still to this day. Luther implores his audience, which now includes you and me, to get busy spreading the gospel and helping others spread it. Teaching, speaking, writing, and preaching that man-made laws are nothing. These false, unbiblical, evil policies are nothing. And so we'll wrap up today's show with this last quote from Luther. This isn't the end of his this isn't the end of his letter, but it is for our purposes today. There is no need for you to demand an armed insurrection, or I would say to participate in one. Christ himself has already begun an insurrection with his mouth one which will be more than the evil we face can bear. Let us follow his insurrection and carry on. My friends, Christ's insurrection against the enemy, against the evil one, against Satan, it has already begun and he has accomplished it. We now speak of that insurrection. We speak out words of the gospel. We use God's word to dethrone the evil forces at at hand. Our struggle is not one against flesh and blood. We are not looking to have enemies of humans. Ours is one against powers and principalities, spiritual forces of darkness. We are waging war, an insurrection with truth against lies, honesty against falsehood, light against against darkness. Our battle, the way we fight, is with prayer. In the divine service on Sunday morning, whenever we gather together, and daily in your own devotional lives. Hourly, as you think about things that need praying for, when you turn on the news, when you, when you hear a rumor when someone sends you a text message about what's going on in the world and you pray quickly, unceremoniously, but you pray. And you support those who are teaching the truth, who are spreading the word, who are trying to shine light where the lies are trying to hide and thereby undoing the influence of evil, routing it out of the hearts of men that they would see clearly, that their ears would hear, their eyes would see Jesus. And they would understand what true freedom is, what the real battle is for the soul of this country, for the world. That it isn't Democrat or Republican. It's Christian or not. That is the truth. There are two religions in this world. The religion of the law or the religion of the gospel. It's Jesus or everything else. We want to show them Jesus. I pray this is comfort for your soul as you're frustrated, as you're looking at the world events, no matter what your personal views are on this and that and the other thing, you see that 
The Bible speaks to so much of what is tearing us apart. And so the best way we can address it is to return to being who we are, whose we are, Jesus Christ's. That is our label. That is our identity. It is Christian versus anti-Christian. And we have the victor. We have Jesus Christ, the great insurrectionist. That's right, my friends. Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. If you find value in this show as a part of Christ's insurrection against the present evil we face, help us spread the words of our Lord that bring about our hope, our comfort, our peace, and slay our old evil foe. Until next time, Christ be with you, dear saint, as his cross is your only defense. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.